gonna pay this much rent? Get that out of your system. Yeah, I'm gonna do it another time later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome to the podcast. Hey. Um, in these interesting, strange times. Our first COVID-19 dispatch from quarantine. Yes. Uh, First, since it's shorter, though, let's do our vasectomy update. It's been how long? Two weeks? I feel like it's been two weeks. It's been like two weeks. Today. You went on a Friday or Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe three or four days ago, my testicles started feeling normal again. for a while after it, they were very, very sore, like kind of like being a, still that dull, like kick in the nuts feel and just really kind of uncomfortable. I don't know how to describe it other than that. Like anytime I move or shift, it was just like weird. And I was a little scared because like one of the incisions was like not healing. Mm-hmm. So I had like this little slit of a hole on mm-hmm. my left side mm-hmm. of my scrotum. Welcome was, to the slit life. <laughs> I was concerned <laughs> about it that normally I heal really quickly, but that one was like, I think maybe the skin just kept getting pulled apart. I know I definitely accidentally did that a few times, mm-hmm. but yeah. Could I pass, could I, could I suggest an amendment to our podcast? What's that? That we keep doing ball updates at the beginning of every single podcast in perpetuity. Uh, well. Would you second that motion? I'd second that motion, but with the (laughs) caveat that we stop after we get like a all clear, no sperm in your semen. Oh, so three months. We've got. Like report. All right. But we'll, who knows? I mean, if. We'll just do a, be- a, a ball briefing at the beginning yeah. of every podcast. I mean, unless there's some other major development in it, we can always check back in. But, I mean, that's that's under, like, the understanding that I'm going to actually be able to take my semen sample to the lab to get it tested. Because right. we don't know exactly, you know, what's how gonna be all open. this shit is going to shape up with that's COVID-19. True. We're just going to have to find out. Um, yeah. Rolling the roulette. I'm trying to think if there's anything else with my balls. Uh, <laughs> I'm on, like, ejaculation number six. Good I, work. I have to do 20 before I get my semen tested you got sperm. three months to do 20 that's yeah a, that's so it's a not like we've got enough time but yeah it's weird to do i don't know i feel like maybe i'm still like dealing a little bit with like the trauma having my nuts cut open mm-hmm. a little bit probably more mentally than anything but mm-hmm. yeah i don't know We'll keep Plus all the other stressful shit that's happening it's a, now. It's very stressful right now. I would say probably more than a few people are experiencing altered sexual states or states of their sexuality due to the increased stress and anxiety of daily life right now. Yeah, it's hard to feel horny when you're stressed. I mean, there's some aspects of what's going on that are a little horny, but <laughs> not... That, which aspect? <laughs> I don't know, like... Being stuck inside yeah, with my being titties all day. This lockdown or kind of like the, I guess people go into like different modes, like when there's like a catastrophe kind of like Or people, grief. Grieving, grieving yeah. often makes people horny and I think yeah. having your life dramatically changed makes you grieve to a certain extent. Yeah. There were, there was like a whole thing with like 9-11 where people mm. were like to deal with all the stress and anxiety where just like, there was like a little bit of like a hookup culture around sure. that, like an anonymous <laughs> hookup culture, which of course is kind of like bad in this time of like a communicable virus 
I want to say something that I I have been thinking about since um, the beginning of the outbreak uh, is how interesting it is that there's um, asymptomatic carriers are a huge like disease vector because I've thought about that a lot in terms of um, HSV one and two also being a uh, virus that can be communicated through people who show no symptoms. Yeah, kind of occurred to me in the beginning of the outbreak like oh maybe this could be like a really teachable moment for people to understand that like people who show symptoms are uh there's no reason to assign fault or blame or stigma to people who show symptoms obviously they're suffering like physical symptoms but that doesn't mean they're like more i don't know what what they just shouldn't be stigmatized there's a bunch of people including it could be you it could be me it could be you listener who are also contagious and and being a vector of the virus through no fault of their own through no way of like knowing whether they are not very similar to hsv1 and 2 so i was kind of like it's sort of an interesting thing that like maybe people will understand the idea of asymptomatic asymptomatic viruses better after this hopefully i don't feel like it's been a big like point of conversation it's occurred to me as something to like point out yeah it doesn't really have the uh pharmaceutical company money behind (laughs) it as like herpes medication has in creating that stigma um so yeah i I, one would hope that that happens um to some degree it's just something that i think people are people think oh if i'm healthy and not coughing or initially thought if i'm healthy and not coughing i can go out and kind of live normally i think now it's obviously um, evolved to to encompass the idea that everyone should be uh, social distancing to protect one another, whether you show symptoms or not. But yeah. I just thought that was kind of interesting. You made me think of that when you said yeah. that. So, um, I don't, yeah, we can go directly into our... Our daily our, activities? Our, uh, our, our COVID-19 stuff. I think that's it for my balls. Um, I'm but glad your balls are feeling better. Me and too. I can, like, walk and run again, which is nice. And I do think this... I do think there's something we discussed a little bit earlier today of like the stress of this situation it can be like hard to know if if what part of it is you still recovering from it you know and what the weird feeling that you're expressing feeling and what part of it is like an uh, an obvious and like understandable level of even like a low level anxiety that might yeah. be permeating our daily life like every night now i've been noticing like a tightness in my chest, which is the exact thing COVID symptoms include a tightness in my chest. And there's been a couple of nights where I've just been like, ugh, I really feel like my chest here. Like, <laughs> what is this? But I realize now it's because I'm more likely to go on Twitter and like really go deep into a bunch of new stuff at night. And then I, I get a, an anxiety symptom, which is tightness in the chest. And I'm sure I feel like I've seen other people experiencing the same thing where they're like, the symptom that you're supposed to be looking out for is also sort of psychos- psychosomatic, yeah. you know, that you're getting anxious about it, so your body starts to feel anxious, which mimics the feeling of the actual virus that you're scared about, you know? Yeah. Um, so today we had an interesting day, and I guess the last couple days have been interesting. I've become engaged in um, local civics <laughs> for the first time in my life. We've talked before on this podcast about how neither of us really, neither of us are engaged in electoralism. We believe in autonomous rights of the individual and that uh, putting your faith in elected officials is 
no bueno. <laughs> not that not that efficient, um, at least at like defining like sovereignty for yourself, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they 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 don't seem to have much uh, of the majority of people's interests at heart. It's kind of a symptom of not opening the door for wide-scale, like, revolt, mm -hmm. but um, most uh, elected officials seem to have their personal and business, um, uh, what's the right word? Interests? Interests, yeah, in mind, and the interests of, you know, other larger businesses. And I think we've talked about, like, you can't, you, it's, I, I think of psycho, uh, uh, politics as like a path a pathology in a way like to want to be a politician you have to want to have power which is like a pathological drive for powering over people or um imbuing yourself with more power that is yeah. like kind of runs along a psychopathic or 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 sociopathic like personality traits and there's like a lot of information online if you look up politics or sociopaths or politics or psychopaths there's like studies that have been done about politics being more likely to carry the traits that we that psychologists consider um pathological narcissism psychosis yeah. etc especially yeah it went when we live in a country that is you know has evolved from imperialism into the capitalist oligarchy that it is it's it's just the system that we live in. It, there's no other, you know, until we change that fundamental piece of it. By burning it. <laughs> it's always going to default to to money, to power. Um, and, and so that being said, I, I started looking into um, the rent strike movement that's been like brewing for i don't know what now four days who fucking knows it feels like it's i don't been, even know what day it, it is feels like it's been weeks i don't social know distancing i'm gonna say this i feel like these you know i i have a very open schedule regularly i usually work have been working two days a week oh we should mention we got laid off we, oh yeah we don't, right. have jobs. <laughs> we, we don't, don't have, have jobs we don't have jobs um, so, so we're unemployed, like as as are three point three million people in America. At least that's what probably the, more than people that. who have filed for unemployment. But um, we're amongst them. Whatever, that's fine. I kind of you know I, that job. <laughs> Do I want to go back? No. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Um, I I had I have this extra time, and I feel like I've become more busy with the time that I have right now than I did when I had those two days a week, you know? And because we're in a crisis and it's kind of like we're trying to figure out like, okay, we have no sources of income coming in. What are the, what is, what, what could our future paths like possibly look like? I know everyone's sort of feeling that way. Most people are feeling that way. Rich or poor, everyone's being affected, right? True. Do you agree? Um, so I decided to look into this rent strike thing, like a little kind of LA trap chapter mobilized on the Telegram app. I recommend that if you want to learn more about the rent strike, join Telegram, look up US rent strike 2020 and people are mobilizing in all the different cities to try to uh, strike, rent strike. What do you think of rent strike? We've talked a little bit about this. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't, I don't, personally for me at this moment, I don't feel that it's necessarily right for me. Mm -hmm. um, there's not really, like, we just, we're going to get into this deeper, but we just watched the 
LA City Council emergency meeting. It's still going on. Still we're going we're on. gonna pause when they come back um, on, but they're in recess. Right but now. there's the there's not really solid protections for renters against being evicted for rent strike. Um, and my situation right now, like, I feel able enough at least for the next month to see what happens. But I don't really, I'm not, I don't really see aside from something really big changing going past that. So I think it's an inevitability, whether it's a conscious strike or you just can't. Um, and many people are in the, the, many people are in the situation right now that we might be in next month. So um, I think some of the mobilization of the rent strike is coming from those people, people who cannot pay rent this month. And so it's in their best interest to, um, you know, uh, gain solidarity with as many people as possible and try to reach critical mass because if enough people do it, it'll overwhelm the legal system and they literally won't be able to evict that many people. It can't legally happen. With a moratorium in place too, like we're in Los Angeles, the moratorium is what they're... I guess arguing about incident city council right now it's not strong enough right now um it it doesn't protect renters the way that it should even if it did you would still owe your rent money at the end of quote this crisis whatever that is i don't think there is yeah i don't think that's (laughs) i don't think an end is in sight not super viable i think i think right now like I, i don't know how possible it is but trying to get the quote-unquote political leaders to see the inevitability of people not being able to pay rent and putting in some kind of moratorium on rent um where's i going with that Uh, it's not working it it doesn't seem to be because eight of the 16 or eight of the 15 council members are landlords themselves people with a vested interest in protecting their property and their investments um so they don't care I think uh, obviously the moratorium or uh, I should say what we want is what I want is a suspension of rent because we are being legally forced to stay inside at this time and given no way to go out and make money. We should not be required to pay for this space that is meant to protect us and everybody else during a health crisis. We're not technically legally required to stay inside, though. That would require a martial law. No, not yet. It's not martial law law yet. Right. So, yeah, we're we're being strongly encouraged to stay inside. Right. Um, And you can't, well, okay, I don't want to spread misinformation. I don't know if they're stopping people. I don't know if that's true or not. True. Yeah. Um, but so, so basically I joined this telegram group and it seems like the collective, uh, agreement in that group was to sort of blast council members, email them, call them, uh, uh, tweet at them, just do everything we could to put as much pressure on the city council members as possible. This is obviously a tactic that has been used for a long time. This is my very first time becoming civically engaged in this way. So it's been very like interesting and eye-opening it really reminds me why i don't participate in electoralism or politicians because (laughs) then we've spent today watching them do the thing they do which is pay lip service to waste time they pay pay lip service (laughs) to their constituents online and then in the actual chamber uh jerk each other off and support each other to to make sure that they can all uh keep their wealth 
intact or whatever. And they make a lot of money. They make a lot of money. They, <laughs> they make a lot of money doing that. The city that. of Los Angeles is the highest paid city council. I looked it up earlier. I can't remember the exact number, but it was something like 180 something thousand dollars a year. The thing that really, really... I, I really have to like take a breath about it because it, 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 it just upsets me so much that this entire... The entire morning, like, I got up specifically at a... Temba woke me up to be able to tune into this meeting at 11 a.m. because the first thing they were addressing was emergency rent protections for tenants. And um, I wanted to see what was going to happen. And uh, the public all called in, and I would say, like, 95% of the calls that came in were for rent suspension, rent forgiveness, moratorium on rent to not have to pay landlords while we are being forced to stay inside. What not it, forced. Well, <laughs> enforced. Like, what, what do we... Being, when it's being recommended that everyone stay inside to help combat Right, and most of us have, have forcibly been laid off or unemployed because of that yes. recommendation. Um, so in my mind, it's forced to stay inside because where else, what do I have to do? I mean, they're not, they're not rounding people up in the streets yet. No, but, but but I've been, that can't happen until martial law has been declared. Yes, I understand. But we have, we, we're out of jobs through no fault of our own. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, I lost my train of thought. So all these people were calling in and calling in and calling in. And then when we finally, after I think six hours got back to that item, um about rent protection not a single council member has acknowledged the many people 95 percent i would say 95 percent of those calls were about a rent suspension yeah. um and there's not a single acknowledgement one, about that. one person like very lightly touched it that person who said um rent the the very last thing he said i think so yeah you know in I my telegram group was. i mentioned that i was like wow this person finally said it and someone else said no he said a, a freeze on evictions not a rent freeze i thought he said rent. i'm pretty sure he said i'm pretty sure he said a rent freeze yeah she she felt that he said eviction freeze but i'm like i'm pretty sure he touched on it th- but he yeah, touched he didn't on it push very hard he touched or make on it after on having it. like three opportunities to speak about it to say this is what my constituents want. This is what the only thing that will protect them and keep them out of homelessness when whatever the eviction ban ends up being is lifted. Because once that eviction ban is lifted and some people have not had the opportunity to go back to work or, you know, have enough unemployment. For example, we found out what our unemployment um, checks are going to be like and they barely yeah, mine's co- like half as much as I normally make yeah and mine covers uh just covers rent and then with $150 left for everything else a month so $150 for my phone bill for my water bill for my uh car insurance and for food yeah to some extent I understand why it's like that what they really need to do is because it's it's unemployment, which is supposed to not be an amount to encourage you to just do that. Of course, um, fun employment. Which is you know they need to they need to make something where it's like an emergency fund, emergency unemployment. Where wasn't that in the federal mandate that that the, extra six hundred dollars a month? Uh, I'm not or, sure or about $600 that. Or six hundred dollars a week or whatever. The only thing I know, at least that is happening for that was that there's not the week waiting period to get approved mm. where normally if you sign up for unemployment it takes like a, a you have to wait a week or something like that so they were like fast tracking mm-hmm. because of COVID-19 
Um, we are still waiting to see that what that federal uh, relief stimulus package or whatever will do because it does have some provisions that go towards, um, emer- I think, emergency uh, unemployment insurance or whatever. But we'll wait and see. It's, it's, we're all, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm, like, scared. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated, I guess, in the same way that I'm frustrated when I, you know, see the very obvious unhoused uh, population's problems on the streets here. Like, these are things that have never been hidden. They've always been right there. Mm -hmm. Very plain in sight, especially in this city, that, like, there aren't protections or care or thought given to the majority of the population, you know? And it's, it's pretty sickening. And I guess, like, my first little taste of... Civil. Wait, who's calling me? Wayne, Michigan. I'm gonna answer. Hello. Okay, sorry about that interruption. <laughs> uh, who was that? Who was it? I was gonna put them on speaker, and I was like, I shouldn't put them on blast. Um, that was odd because I never pick up the phone, but I felt like especially from an unknown number. I just felt like this was a call I needed to take, but um, it was the um. Reclaiming Our Homes organizer. Um, for those who don't know, Reclaiming Our Homes is a group of unhoused mothers and their families um, who are uh, currently occupying Caltrans owned state housing in the El Sereno neighborhood of California. And they've occupied 16 homes um, and are currently living in them. Um, but they're of uh, They've so far, like, not faced any, like, direct action with the cops, but the cops are kind of camped out in the neighborhood right now to make sure that um, other homes, which have been sitting vacant for years and years and years, should I go into the whole history of it? Cause I could, could geek, like, summarize it. I could it, geek so out like... about it, but basically the 710 freeway, is that what it is? The mm-hmm. 710? There was, since the, I want to say the 50s? Se- I think it's said 60s or 70s. <sighs> Okay, well, I can't remember that detail, but yes, from back in the day, they had bought out... More than 30 years ago. More than 30 years ago, they had bought out all of these uh, homes because they were going to clear it and extend the 710 freeway up to, I think, the 210, something like that, up in Pasadena. They're going to build a freeway, they need to buy these homes, demolish them so they can put the freeway in. Right, right. (laughs) Um, But the the homes have just sat there um, empty for all of that time, and... Um, since the pandemic, people who are unhoused or who, who have had insecure housing, um, basing this model on uh, the Moms for Housing in Oakland, who also t- uh, took a home, occupied a home, and now are going to take ownership of a home, they moved into these homes and said, for our own safety, for the safety of our community, during a pandemic, this is where we need to be. Not in a shelter, not in insecure housing, not, you know, on the street. Um, this is the safest place for us. So they've taken that and, like, I think created a really incredible movement and platform for addressing so many other inequalities that exist in the intersections of uh, the homeless crisis in L.A. And, and not uh, in a community center packed full right. of people, which is what the city of LA is currently trying Literally to do with try- unhoused people, which does not help uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, it's not It's all. not a part, it's not the CDC's guidelines for social distancing can't be followed in those situations. Um, anyway, so uh, this person was calling to see if I could do any of their graveyard shifts, which is basically just showing up for three hours and 
staying awake and bearing witness so that if you see the cop if we see the cops um who are parked in various other uh driveways to make sure no one breaks into the unoccupied homes just make sure that they don't fuck with anything and whatever that there's a witness should anything go down so i took one of their shifts for three to six a.m and you're gonna come with me yeah we're gonna camp out in the car and just try to be there to protect those people who are doing something i think that i think is like a pretty revolutionary act and has been proven to be pretty revolutionary so that housing is owned by the state. It can be given to people. It can be sold to people at like, you know, below market rate. It should be. There's no reason that they've like been holding on to these properties for Except over three. 30 years when they've canceled the freeway project. Yeah, the, the like, freeway project was canceled, I think, two years ago. Like, I think, I think it was. Those homes should go to people, low income people or people who are unhoused. There um, are 93,000 empty housing units in Los Angeles County and I think 60 60 something thousand unhoused individuals and it's just absolutely absurd and so people taking it upon themselves and not waiting kind of like we just discovered today waiting for the political bureaucracy to move justice through for them like it's just they they have no other option either it's well, no, like, but they're the, the option that the state gives them yeah, is go hang out. Yeah, that's not an option. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's why I think this is, you know, a powerful, it's a, a powerful act. It's an anarchist act. It's saying I'm going to take my own well-being and the well-being of my family and my community upon myself and create that for myself because I cannot wait for the state to do it for me and the state is not capable of doing it for me because I do not listen to the demands of people who are asking for safety you know, and asking for uh, livable conditions in this city. So I'm pretty excited to get involved with that and in a way very excited after we, we just tuned into the last part of the meeting that we felt was, I don't know, the last part of what we were kind of looking at today and it was just bullshit. Politics as usual. <clears throat> Excuse me. Politics as usual. I think like, uh, I think I said this before we we stopped for a second like it was very much my first and last <laughs> attempt at like affecting change through like political bureaucratic channels because i think just kind of watching it play out through this city council meeting is like a very stark reminder of like how much drudgery goes into anything no oh, they wasted so much time just like yeah doing doing check-ins and like what is it the the, I just looked it up. Not Rob, I want to say Robert's Ro- Rules of Engagement, El- but Ellis, it's, the Ellis it's Act? Robert, Robert's Rules of... Uh, fuck. Is that go? where they have to roll call and everything? Yeah. Just like... Just the basic bureaucracy. Yeah. yeah. Th- so much time is wasted just by like checking in. Can, Madam President, can you say this? Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Like, we can streamline that shit. Like... Mm-hmm. And the most, I guess the most, like, disgusting thing to me is, um, first of all, like I mentioned, the lip service that politicians do to the public, their public, to make their public feel like they're on their side, and then to see them just, like, quivering and, like, meek, you know, when faced with, like, actually standing up for what they believe in in front of their colleagues. But they are standing up for what they believe in because the politicians do Mm -hmm. not represent the people. Politicians represent money and power. Right, but but I'm saying, like, I've been following these politicians 
saying they're going to ask for a rent suspension, saying they're going to ask for an, uh, an, a moratorium, but then speaking nothing of the sort that, in the hall. But if you look historically, that is the function of government mm-hmm. in this country, is to placate the masses mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and play and and serve the ruling class. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. uh, Which I'm aware of. I just never actually watch the internal, the, the, the C-SPAN aspect of it all and just watch that, like, to, to actually really just see that two-faced uh, behavior is just, I mean, it's just psychotic. Yeah, it's like... It's like there's no two ways. It's psychotic. It's just, yeah, I just... That's why, yeah, I, I don't really believe, believe in any of the political shit because it's that's it's that all the time Mm -hmm. and it's yeah there's different players that play to different crowds to make you think that there's a choice or that someone's doing something different but you're not going to be a career politician and not be indoctrinated into that system and and you know or or be successful because you will be shut out Mm so so okay, we know that the uh, the city council, the governor, the 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 uh, federal government isn't going to protect renters at this time. Um, so, but they are protecting mortgages. They're they're protecting mortgages. But so then the other thing that I guess like w- the the other question then is like what kind of action? What kind of actionable like what action can happen? to actually make sure or protect people from being evicted from their home. Like if you, we have the rent, so we have the rent for next month at least. So given that we're going to pay rent on April 1st, we've made that decision in our household, in our discussions, that's the decision we've made. And I know a lot of other people who are in the same boat who are, I've spoken to have been like, I have the money, I'm gonna do it for now and then there's another month to continue to gain traction and see if people have uh the ability to go back to work if people's unemployment is going to cover their basic essentials for living and remaining at home Mm -hmm. not being able to work um so it's like there's this month of like seeing waiting continuing to sit in our little hovels and waiting to see if we're going to be able to survive this crisis then there's other factions of people who are proactively saying i'm going to in solidarity with everyone else who can't pay rent also not pay rent to try to build critical mass and say we the people are not willing to do this you know so i mean what i mean i think that's also a privilege to be able to do that because there's people with criminal records with people with other things that they're trying undocumented people that they're trying you know i trying to do the bare minimum not to draw or do what I can to not draw too much attention to myself because Mm -hmm. I am an at-risk person for Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z reasons. So I don't think that that's fully... It doesn't take into account. Yeah, it doesn't take into account people that makes them extremely vulnerable, especially when we just watch the thing and they're not going to expand, like they're not actually putting in a moratorium on evictions, um, which... Which can, you know, and, and the thing they have in place right now is like, so if you don't pay your rent, it's like, I can't remember how exactly they described it, but if you fall into these specific categories where there is a moratorium for rent for you, you still have to pay that rent back. And you have to prove that there is something COVID related 
that that uh, made it so you could not pay rent on the. And first. you have to prove that in court. In court, so, so you're still gonna it, have to go through bureau- bureaucratic. Well, like, yeah, it's the most vulnerable hoops. people, people who don't make very much money that have to go do. You can't go afford do a that. lawyer. Can't afford a fucking like property lawyer to go do this mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just yeah, the whole thing's bullshit. I think, I don't know. I think, for me personally, I think what what really needs to happen well not needs to happen unfortunately i think the way it may play it play out if there's going to be anything well something's gonna happen it's not nothing's not gonna happen aside from you know everyone going back to work like in a month or a month and a half but i'm not so sure that that's gonna happen Mm -hmm. um but i think it's gonna take you know that being that being literally the last resort is like hey this is where we are. I can't, I can't do anything else. Cause I know for my situation, it's like, yeah, I could do the rent strike, but that also makes me really vulnerable in, in other ways that I'm trying, you know, to stay out of the system. Yeah. Um, and by the I, system, you mean the pr- prison or all of it? Yeah. Like I'm trying to get, like, I'm in a lot of debt. I'm trying to get like, financially a bunch of shit in my life back together and like that it's not at the point for me yet like this month's okay like we'll see like what unemployment's like what um whatever the fucking thing the president just signed in the emergency funds thing and see like Mm -hmm. hey is that gonna be enough to float i don't know no see where where exactly i personally am where other people are Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've told you where I, where I stand and I it does come from a place of having always lived with the privilege of kind of being able to bounce from insecure situation to situation without feeling any real threat. Like I have had, you know, I have just kind of like left apartments and let my deposit cover the last month. Like I, I've, I've, I've done that a couple of times. So I guess I'm more kind of comfortable with breaking the agreements of uh landlord tenants sacrecy because i don't see it as sacred but that comes from my my experience as a as a white person right yeah um but i guess my biggest kind of like my biggest reason for wishing to move in solidarity with rent strikers even though i do have the means to pay rent at least for next month is a deeply loathing our landlord who is an absolute monster of a human being and wishing to keep our money for our survival and not give it to him. Well, but, uh, he's uh, the property manager. He's and the property it manager. To yes, so this is a giant corporation. Yes, we only discovered owns. this yesterday, though. I don't know if I want to get into the legalese of this, but like we did discover that our landlord, our property manager, is illegally collecting rent for us in a fictitious business name that's not. Uh, legally registered therefore we shouldn't really be paying rent to him nor should we have been paying rent to him for the past i guess you've been on at least five years i mean i don't know what i i i see what you're saying but i'm not sure that that's would hold up in court i don't it's not it's not not a cause for eviction it just have to talk to like a lawyer that yeah. understands which that, is, like, right? Which is what the which is what the business bureau yeah. <laughs> recommended I do yesterday because they sounded shocked that we were doing that. Yeah, uh, but, but I, I think it's dangerous to to. I'm not I saying it's, it's a dangerous to withhold rent. I think it's dangerous though to go in with the I with <coughs> excuse me 
thinking that, oh, this is illegal, this is illegal, when we don't know that it isn't. Because the laws are not really set up to protect us. No, they they're, aren't. They're set up to protect people with power, people with money, and mm-hmm. that is not us. Mm-hmm. That is the property owners, that is the corporations that and we own. And we discovered that the people who own the land is a large LLC kind of condo d- development, basically a development uh, real estate agency that's based in Dallas, Texas, and also has a headquarters in Delaware, which you taught me is where rich people go to sh- shelter their money. Uh, not well, not rich people, but most corporations in the U.S. have a P.O. box in Delaware, which allows them to register Delaware as their company headquarters, even though they may not actually have a physical office mm-hmm. there, because Delaware has extremely lax business laws. So the pro- the business taxes there are the lowest, I think, in the country. Um, so most corporations, uh, on paper, will have uh, an office mm-hmm. there. So that was interesting because that's something that um, I guess we didn't know before because all we have is your lease agreement with our landlord, our property manager, whatever. Um, But so now we know who owns the land and they're very, very rich, um, I would assume. And yeah, I'm kind of just like taking all of this information about rent strike and like channeled it into trying to understand at least better understand what our situation is. Um, I joined the local LA Tenants Union, which has a lot of resources for how to deal with the always murky, uh, the always murky and always like very individual experience of being a renter, especially in a city like LA or any major city, you know? It's like uh, every single renter, like I went and talked to our neighbor. I asked if he was good, gonna be good with rent next month and he said yeah and it's like i'm not trying to pry into his business and find out you know any more than that he's good with rent you know if you want to strike with your it's always better to strike with fellow tenants under a under a landlord or property manager and if that solidarity isn't there then there's not really a good reason for putting yourself at risk as yeah. well you know yeah I mean, yeah, and many of our neighbors, English is not their first language. Exactly. We don't know yeah, how much at risk or, you know, how worried they, they mm-hmm. may be or if that's even a concern for them mm-hmm. to be put into some sort of legal totally. situation, you know, if, they, if they're, um, depending on whatever their, their immigration status sure. is. So that's like something... You know that could be very worris- worrisome for them. And like you, like you said, like the ability to fight is a privilege, and it's a it's a it's a privilege for some. It's a necessity for others. And I definitely think of my situation as like the ability to 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 fight is a privilege because I am more protected within my identities. You know, for some mm-hmm. reason they might be in like different um, like an identity intersections, but they're at the point where it's uh, striking is not a privilege, it's because that is literally all that's left to do. There's zero dollars in their pocket, so they're not paying rent, you know? And I that's think, how I feel. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, until you're until there. Until I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not worth it, really, for me. That. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that... No, and I'm, it's very close to being there, but... Yeah, we're, I mean, I feel like, um, you know, we're lucky to have had the jobs that we have had, um, that we were able to even scrounge up the month or two of savings that we have between us. You know what I mean? That's not something that I had my whole life. This is the first job I've had where I was able to have 
that little teensy tiny nut, you know, a yeah. nut that's like a, a, a absolute scrap for people with money, but is like a lot to me relative to what I've ever earned in my life. Yeah, same. You know, so I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that we have unemployment benefits, however small they are. I'm grateful that our place of work chose to give us all of our accrued sick time off hours. It's not two weeks paid time off, but it's for me, for me, it is for you. It wasn't maybe accrued that. No. Yeah. But still they, they, it's, it's paltry and like pithy in the scheme of this multimillion dollar corporation we worked for, but they were gracious enough (laughs) to give us our sick leave as part of our severance when they laid us off a few days ago. It's some wild times, y'all. These are these are things that I think when you're like cruising along, you know, you know, you're um, in my experience, I have not had to think about yeah. some of these things, and so I guess I'm attacking it with vigor to try to better understand the systems that I haven't had to understand before. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. I mean, I'm normally pretty optimistic about most things, but I feel I feel like it's probably just going to be more business as usual mm-hmm. shit because mm-hmm. that's. That's just, I don't know. Maybe maybe it won't be, but like that's that's kind of this country's mo. You know, anytime people start doing things for themselves, like those people are disappeared, those people are put in jail, those people are murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, any kind of resistance is that's it's met with state violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can create solidarity in groups, but often there are still going to be individuals who are singled out and punished for those groups, you know? Yeah. Um, Who are still rotting away in jails right now. And uh, obviously all prison populations should be freed right now. Like, it's it's going to... I don't want to be too doom and gloom, but from everything I understand, like, that is going to be an incredibly devastating almost genocidal situation when the level when when let's say and if the virus hits penitentiaries and, and prisons the way that oh, it's i don't think it's an to. and if but it's going to it's going to happen yeah. and it's going to massively because like it's prison, going to kill the people just genocide the people yeah because prison workers aren't getting the proper medical mm-hmm. like safety uh, preventative uh, devices and equipment and even in hospitals where doctors do have those things they're still getting it because there is no like aside from wearing like a hazmat suit which is you know pretty expensive you can't afford to give all your workers those I, I assume only probably researchers that are working trying to find a vaccine or whatever um, have those yeah um but I mean, I mean, even though I feel like this one thing that could be like optimistic about that about this is that this is something that affects so many people across um, spectrum lines, as opposed to like you know like police violence, which is mostly targeted mm-hmm. at black people in this mm-hmm. country, black people and other brown people, but mostly at black people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like something like the Black Panthers could be very easily like torn down and people from other ethnic backgrounds are just like, oh, this crazy Black Panther terrorist Mm -hmm. people. We don't want black people with guns. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas this, the majority of people, you know, there is no middle class really anymore. There's very few people that could be considered 
work uh, middle class. Most people are working poor. Mm. And, you know, if this continues to go in a direction as we've seen with like our city council where the government isn't really completely ineffective. Yeah, is is ineffective. I mean, they're going to they they are trying to do like what I've seen through or what you can look up through history is like give you just enough so the riots don't start. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of my interpretation of this stimulus bill stimulus thing that well, Trump it just is. signed. It's like just enough. And, but, but I think that's the thing is like, I feel like so many people are bought into the dream that kind of, I don't, I don't know if it's going to get bad enough for people to be like, Hey, fuck that. This isn't, this isn't working. We need, we someone need on, more. Someone but, on Twitter even made a uh, interesting connection today which i guess i didn't i don't know that much about the new deal but they were saying the new deal i read that was very similar to the stimulus package it was really meant to assuage this working class movement that was growing to to voice its discontent and demand better conditions Mm -hmm. but the new deal became such a popular oh we've like saved everybody look we've lifted every everyone out of poverty or whatever and i don't know the exactitude of the stimulus plan i would like to look it up now especially because the new deal is attached now to this green new deal and i have a lot of distrust in the green new deal there's been like uh specifically this indigenous activist group that's been like the green new deal is good and then it misses all of these points and i think it's obviously important to to listen to indigenous people when it comes to climate action you know yeah um but and and i think it's probably a similar deal where it like assuages and make us makes us feel green and good you know but yeah i i think that's the stimulus package is bullshit i mean we're not going to get it because we don't have a direct deposit registered with the irs i just filed i just filed my taxes for the first time in nine years this year (laughs) so i'm glad i did that but uh i don't i don't do direct deposit because uh i don't trust banks even our credit union Um, (laughs) you know i don't trust all that so yeah what else do we have to say? I don't feel like good about just sitting around and waiting and seeing what happens. I think like, um, that's like my normal is to just sit around and see what happens. And I feel like right now more activated to like, see what can be done. Yeah. You know, and it's making me realize, um, how, First of all, really, how, you know, I'm really adverse to this after this is all done idea. I feel like we've talked about that, you know. I really don't like to think of this as an event that will be done at some point. I really like to think of this as a moment where people can align with, like, who they really are and what they really believe in and what they really want and who they're with and how they can create the circumstances for more justice in their lives and their immediate surroundings you know yeah i don't know it might just be my pessimism again but from all i've observed aside from taking to the streets i don't see what but the taking to the streets could happen could with six six feet of distance between each other but yeah which takes up more room than when you go on a path i just don't I mean, the taking the streaks, I'm envisioning it wouldn't matter how close you are together because that's clashing with riot cops. Mm. 
like I mean it doesn't it doesn't take much out of me to you know send an email to my representative hey this is what I want so you know like doing that to me is okay on the it's like I understand it's probably not going to do anything but in the off chance it's not much energy spent for me but I just don't see much changing without actually like yeah being in the streets like you know like we're seeing all over the world right now several countries in south america like was happening in hong kong like i read something the other day about why that kind of like mass rioting doesn't happen in the u.s and it was well those, it aren't, was pos- those aren't riots there's like demonstrations like oh protests. Th- well this was specifically talking about riots why why does paris always have riots they're not protests those aren't riots yes those there are, are riots no, there's yeah. also there are also riots. Like, Those are all protests. Like when the 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 uh, the what's it called the reflective vest people like. Those. So you don't think turning? So what's your definition of a riot? Because I guess when I think of riot, I think of, um, I think of destruction of property when I think of riot. Riot, riot is to me riot is a term that the government uses against people that are protesting. Mm. I think of like riot a, as... A riot is when the fucking sports team loses a game and people take to the streets mm-hmm. and flip over buses and light mm-hmm. shit on fire. That's a riot. If it's got, you know, if it's like Ferguson, that is not a riot. That is a protest. Like riot is a is a name that the media likes to slap, especially on poor and black people mm-hmm. when they are demonstrating against mm-hmm. shit they can't take anymore. Like I don't. I don't I, like that word. Oh, I've really. never thought of that word in that context. Like, to me, I just think of it as a just it, it's a, a political action that includes the destruction of property. But 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 that's also that's also brainwashing from from the state about mm-hmm. like that's why I'm not super into MLK just because his whole thing is like peaceful protest. Right, and protest violence- protest does not necessarily mean non nonviolent. Protest is I a see. protest. It doesn't it doesn't. You think, you think protest, protest has become synonymous with nonviolence in the way that, like, a put like a Women's Day march is. Like, yeah. Oh, we do this like civilized. Protest. Anything, anything else gets riot slapped mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense. So it's more it's important to, to de- decouple the decouple the idea of nonviolence from protest yeah. and retain that protest can include violence. To me, yeah. And to me, a riot the, doesn't have mm-hmm. doesn't have not it does have. N- meaning but i think it's less of a hey we're fed up meaning it's mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's our sports team won uh-huh. and we're flipping cars huh. you know yeah. bullshit that that's an actual riot but in the news that's not labeled a riot it's like mm-hmm. oh people fans of the uh, whatever near <laughs> the san francisco giants lost the world series and took to the streets <laughs> yeah Causing lots of damage, people are blah blah blah. Okay, but. so so okay, so let's call it a protest. Protest then that happened. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking specifically of the type of like property damage, like uh, what what I think we see here as more extreme forms of protest. Someone was speaking about why those forms of protest aren't as prevalent here, and that and having to, something to do with like Los Angeles and New York being so far apart, and also just like how concentrated proponents of that kind of activity are in those centers as opposed to the vast majority of the population which is spread out everybody everywhere else Mm. whereas in like 
Germany or, or France or something, those are teensy tiny little things. So it's easy to mobilize people to be like, take a, a one hour, two hour train ride, come here and we have critical mass. Yeah. So uh, uh, attaining critical mass here is harder because we're so fucking spread out. I think we also, I mean, we had like a conversation about this a while ago. I think it's also, um, it's, it's part of how, you know, A, it's part of how cushy life here, here is. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, it's not like we're at our at our wits' end. At least, there's lots of people that are, but the vast majority of people are still very lulled to sleep. We're theoretically in, rent-striking. In, mm-hmm. the, in, you know, this falsity of the American dream. Mm-hmm. And also, we've been cut off from that history of protests where Cirrus would rise up against the landowners. And, like, that's kind of part of the sick brilliance of this country is, you know, the the people in power were, like, started this country with this kind of rebel idea that, you know, we're, fuck, fuck the imperialists, blah, blah, blah. But really, it was the aristocracy of the American colonies riling up the common folk. Like, that sh- those, those taxes weren't hitting the common folk as hard as they were hitting the landowners, the producers, the people who own the plantations, the people who owned industry were getting taxed the hardest by, you know, the crown. And, you know, it's it wasn't those people's blood that was shed as deeply as the common folk. Mm. And... Kind of similar to people in the army and the, the, the uh, war, war industrial complex. Military, military industrial, industrial complex. complex yeah. Recruiting the the more working class people to fight their fights yeah and also part of that is 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 slavery because you know you always have the scapegoat Mm -hmm. to point the finger at so poor white people in this country like like that's part of what the the function of racism was is like poor white people never saw themselves aligned with poor black people enslaved black people because they, because of the function of racism, they're like, oh, I'm better than those people. I am not them. So it, it essentially um, squashed much of, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but it, it squashed much of the commonality there that, hey, mm-hmm. it's this aristocracy that's fucking all of us over. And there's more of us than there are of them. Um which is something that wasn't, you know, that didn't didn't happen in Europe to the same extent. And I think, yeah, they there's much more, I don't know, much more of a bloody history in Europe of mm-hmm. kind of like protest and like revolution. Revolution than there is here. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day about what you would see as, like, the only kind of viable path to revolution, meaning actual bodies on the street putting their lives on the line. Like, the different, well, like, what a, like, weren't we talking about, like, what a revolution means to you? Yeah. uh, Like, I guess because there's, like, this idea of revolutionary... You know, like I see what the reclaiming our houses people are doing is revolutionary. It's a it's an act for sure. 
it's an, a revolutionary act. It may not be a revolution, but when people act in revolutionary ways or take revolutionary actions, um, I believe that it can alight and alert people to uh, um, injustices that they might not have seen any other way. Like that. Like they were talking about reclaiming homes in Teen Vogue yesterday. I mm-hmm. read about it, and I was like. Some fucking teenager is going to see us and be like, whoa, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know who really, I think millennials, I think millennials are the people who read Teen Vogue. I don't yeah. think teenagers actually read Teen Vogue. But I mean, it's that it's going to be like the same as like, you know, any kid uh, like reading about the Black Panther Party or any other revolutionary. Mm-hmm. They only get part of the story. It's like, yeah, but it's also you're like, you're reading it. Like, oh, that's a cool idea. Wow, mm-hmm. but that doesn't create the mass scale mobilization. I'm not saying that those acts aren't revolutionary. Also, like, but the pow- what actually makes people act? The powers that be are going to legislate. Like now that they're like, oh, that's a loophole we didn't see. They're gonna, that shit's going to be sewn up. It's not going to be. Oh, I know. Yeah, no, I know. Um, you know, one thing that I think is interesting that I wanted to research today, but I ended up watching goddamn city council all day <laughs> instead. Uh, let me pull it up here because I thought this was this. So I was at the, I tuned into the Healthy LA Coalition town hall last night, and someone in that town hall mentioned this thing called Torp. And I'm gonna tell you what Torp is in one second. So I'd never heard of this before. Um, let me see if I can find it again. I think I might have closed it out. But it's like a, a, a something that was used by the Moms for Housing in Oakland, and they're um, suggesting that tenants who need to, or unhoused people who need to, um, also try to use this. I can't pull it up because I have. Do you see how many things I have? Open? Mad windows, yeah. Yeah, and like I'm a little like. I'm a little, like, overwhelmed. Like, I'm genuinely just trying to, like, understand things I haven't had to think about in such detail before. Mm-hmm. And I that I think it's important to research and, and understand. I guess that's just, like, the kind of person I am is I like to understand what I'm arguing for, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it takes all kinds, you know? But, like, this idea of calling for a rent strike means that for a few days I was just trying to, like learn as much as they could about rent strikes and how they work and what's a tenants union and all this, you know. Anyway, I can't find the law, but I'll, I'll look it up later. But it's kind of like tenant tenants ownership something. It's where tenants can basically take over the property that they own or that they that they rent. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is what happened with the that motion that passed today, the Hillside Villa yeah. tenants. I love that idea. Can you imagine? Let's just like have a fantasy. <laughs> Will you just share this fantasy with me where, like, somehow people mobilize in such a way that they can, like, all this rent that we've paid on this apartment over the years, like, goes towards us owning this space. Like, it's not the most beautiful space, but I love our yard. And there's a lot of things I love about our apartment. Like, join me. Join me in my fantasy. (laughs) I have a lot of fantasy. (laughs) Please. You know what I'm saying? Would you like to own our apartment? (laughs) 
wow, he really won't join me in my fantasy. Yes, I'm feeling really left high and dry right now. This building should be condemned. <laughs> it's, it's really... It's old and the termites. We haven't even told our landlord like a... about the termites because we'll have to... He's, he's not, not going gonna... to do shit he's... about it. Or if he does something about it, he'll be like, you got to leave for a week. Good luck. And we're going to have to go find a hotel even though he's legally required to pay, but he won't, you know. So we're just going to let the termites eat the house till it crumbles or, you know... <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna look into the torp law, and in our next episode, I'm coming back with the full fledged fantasy with, with research and a plan. Cause that's who I am, babe. I'm not. Pe- I'm not a pessimist. Like I am. I'm. I'm. Uh, uh. In some ways, I'm a misanthrope, but like in some ways, I'm a. Uh, you know, highly critical. I, I am highly critical of everything, but like, I'm not a really a pessimist. Like, I do want to believe that that something can change. Oh, it can. I definitely believe it can, but I'm not sure if the conditions. If the condition, yeah, if the conditions warrant it yet, are are present to do it. Don't you like to like imagine? Like, have a little doomsday fantasy? I mean, it would be great. It would be great if we could get some some benevolent politician in that will start shifting things and start getting more people in there. But it's not It's not the people. It's the system. The system yeah. is... I mean, just the, bureau- the bureaucracy to yeah, do what they did today. It's, it's the like they don't have time to make the change. Nor do they have the incentive. They're all, yeah. they're all you know, they're... they're bought and paid for it's kind of like they want to protect they it's it's like a living uh it's like a it's a living thing it wants to protect its own and keep itself propagating just like you know like corporations are Mm -hmm. kind of entities Mm -hmm. where they you know they don't care about the people that work for them they care about continuing Mm -hmm. this the this life weird life form and keeping it going but you know capitalism is not sustainable so it's all going to crash eventually like one of my favorite things i read this week was about capital capital uh, this idea of the anthropocene being incorrect but that it's actually the uh, necrocene this idea that capitalism requires death which i think is very clear and laid out historically capitalism requires death and it's also self-sustaining and it has to kill it has to it has to, it fe- literally feeds on fossil fuel. I just liked this, like, I just liked this metaphor or image, you know, that, like, capital is so dependent on fossil fuel, which is literally the record of death, you know? <laughs> the, the, that, that, yeah, fossil fuel is literally fossils. Yeah. Well, I mean, life requires death. Right. But right, it's like, talked about. life, life lived in balance not accruing capital mm-hmm. like accruing capital is this like excess mm-hmm. of like hoarding mm-hmm. Hoard, like which we've that, seen all week too. that that is out of balance that hoarding instinct it's like you know it's give take yeah. skills well i'm not saying it's going to be perfectly aligned all the time but it's gonna it's gonna shift but mm-hmm. it's relatively you know mm-hmm. is is in harmony but the way the way most of the world is operated is is in disharmony mm-hmm. with you know all the other living systems mm-hmm. and that's only gonna it, it, it's eventually gonna balance out whether it's like we consciously mm-hmm. 
do that or not. If we bring about our own extinction. It's not even us. Like, I think that was the argument of this essay, too, is it's not about placing that blame on humanity, like the Anthropocene Mm -hmm. indicates, you know? It's that there's actually another entity. Capitalism is itself its own organism. Yeah, we... Its own organism that has its own directives and motives, just like you, just like me, to help itself survive. And just like we kill animals to help ourselves survive, it kills what it needs to keep itself alive. Yeah. You know? And I think that's like kind of the that that's what's in contention with like our interests versus politicians and politicians are there to serve the bigger machine their boss which is capital which is a non-living entity that is also living and killing you know yeah i also think it's interesting to just put it in perspective of like they are just people doing their jobs and think of like our jobs which we no longer have (laughs) In which we're expected to act with the best interest of the corporation at mind and the customer at mind. And think about the way that we feel about customers when we're working. And we're supposed to be there to serve the customer. But how do we really feel about serving the customer most of the time? I usually feel like, fuck the customer. Unless the customer's being nice. But that's so rare, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of, like, in some ways, as, like, a thought exercise want to cultivate some compassion for politicians doing their job through the murk of the system that they have to do it in just like us in a restaurant through the literal sludge and slime that we deal with and the bureaucratic bullshit of like quote serving the customer which ends up becoming more and more infinitely more difficult the more that you're dealing with the bullshit surrounding you in the system that you're supposed to serve the customer under, you know? Yeah. I think no one's... No, we're all human and we're not all perfect at, like, being of service and especially when capital is involved, we are in service to that capital, that paycheck and that money and thinking solely about that when that's what our job requires, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I feel like for me personally, as a patron at places, I do not like the level of like service that a lot of corporate restaurants like to exhibit. So there's like a level of shit. I'm not like, I'm, I'm just not going to do unreasonable shit. No, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about like the way that you feel towards customers. Yeah. I'm generally, as long as they're nice, as long as they're not being ridiculous. Yeah. I will say that in the, in the server sector of our prior life as, as food service workers, (laughs) I think there is a consistent annoyance with customers, um, because so many, uh, customers ask, uh, these demands of us that we don't feel are like commensurate with the amount of money we get for those demands or whatever. Mm. But so, there's a lot of, I feel like there there were a lot of people that were bending over backwards with stuff they knew. Well, yeah. Where, like, I, I was a bartender, so they, I would constantly get, like, these special requests for shit the server knew we don't do. All and I'm trying like, to say. Just say no. I say no to the people all the a, time. But this is what I'm trying to say. All I'm trying to say is try to overlay our experience no, as I workers with these ex- people's experiences workers like i just spent all day yelling at the screen because they seem like shit people with shit interests yeah. but in the thought experiment of cultivating compassion i'm also like we are all everyone's a person we yes. are we are all humans and we're also all very much in like capital my point is capital 
is what pollutes all of us, you know? It is the number one factor that makes us behave as fucking psychotically as we have ever behaved. Whatever those small shitty things we've done, the big shitty things we've done, the very big shitty things that are constantly um, being enacted upon uh, humanity and the earth, you know, and its systems, it's like, it's not... I don't know. I just... Here's what excites me the most about Rent Strike and this particular moment in time, not beyond Rent Strike, is just the 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 halting of capital. It, the halting of capital accumulation, the extreme slowing of, of uh, capital moving between entities, which I think is happening at least like it, like in terms of like going out to eat or going to store, like the regular little things that we push our money around with every day is like slowed to some extent. Like to me, there's something really exciting about a time where capital is like, like frozen in time and we don't exactly know where it's going to be moving. Cause I think that that's like a moment where it can be like severely disrupted and disjointed and redirected, you know, but maybe that's just me being an optimist. (laughs) I mean, I guess ultimately, I think if you think about all the working class people, like that amount of capital they represent is still almost nothing compared to like (laughs) the people who have hoarded it. It's like it can stop. They still have all of it. Yeah. And they're Um, printing new and they're printing new. Are they? Yes. So get some inflation. (laughs) Um, They're printing new crumbs for us. (laughs) I love that. Thank you. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like, but it's those a, systems it's, can be good. Oh, I was going to say, I think it... Yeah, the... For, for that, I feel like for that to be enough of a statement, it's got to be like everyone in L.A. County stops paying rent. Stop paying rent. But Don't I go back to work. I'm not sure if that's going to happen unless it's, like, literally everyone's out there with... But I think, like, one of the... Be- with right, right. And, and I agree. And then it's, like, if we'd like to... I don't know how... Okay. We're only an hour and 12 minutes into it. But, like, if we want to, it's even, like, I was kind of saying today we were, we were looking at Nextdoor. And I've been laughing about this guy on Nextdoor, one of our neighbors, <laughs> <laughs> who was, like doom like he is having a doomsday breakdown on next door but we don't know if that person's serious he might be doing that for shits and giggles let's just say that he's serious because his wife intervened from the joint account that they share on next door and was like okay this is his wife talking now and like you need to chill out honey like da na na anyway it's really good like next door drama this is a great time to get into next door if you have not been into it before Ugh, i can't but he, but this is what i was trying to say is i'm like it like let's say that like my thing that I felt for a while, for a, a good portion of like at least the last six or seven years of my life is that scaling down to your immediate surroundings is one of the best things you can do to dysregulate the, let's call it machine. Because when you begin to just rely on your immediate network of neighbors, the people who live around you, the people who you choose as your immediate network, then you're exchanging resources within that network and you may depending on uh, the resources that network has have enough to sustain everybody through gifting bartering or or what have you you know skillshare and i think like i think it's an interesting 
thing to then look at next door and see people who like you might not necessarily agree with or get along with remember we were talking about this earlier mm-hmm. today and like try to imagine crossing those barriers that have kept us feeling like extremely separate as human beings um and just separate as neighbors separate as people who share a similar little slice of the world with possibly not completely similar because even if you're in the same class you have a whole bunch of different intersections of like culture blah, yeah, blah, blah, all yeah. these things but still trying to cross those divides and and uh see each other for fellow human beings and see each other as uh i want to say like at your core generous and helpful people even though we all have our traumas and we all have our issues we're not psychotic politicians, all of us. You know, <laughs> we're not like we're not all like power hungry sycophants. So it's like I think scaling down to that, this is like an interesting time to think of that. And people are trying are 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 showing that it, like it's always been known that in times of crisis is when pe- the best in people comes out. It's not usually people hoarding and and robbing each other and looting. Like it's people checking in on their neighbor and like saying you need anything and I can help you out here you know people trying to provide mutual aid for one another you know is what usually happens and I just don't yeah like I've said I don't want it to go back to normal Normal yeah what what happens when everything does does <laughs> or when well, yeah when the lights come back on or yeah the job sure. everyone goes back to work well i have made a decision i'm not going back to the job that i was in yeah that's my personal decision i will hold myself to even if it's not financially as easy as just going and clocking in like i don't i i want this i want this to be a wake-up call for myself I don't think it needs to be a wake-up call for everyone. But for myself, I want to say, you have these resources, you have these strengths and weaknesses as a person, and you're going to channel them into, like, something better than you were doing before. Because why not? Like, why not take any moment you can to be pushed to grow, you know? That's all I think. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> but baby, I like I'm serious about a revolution. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say you're not. I will take up arms with you, you know? Like I will. Just tell me when. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it gets there. Oh, oh we should probably here. stop this cuz we have a very early morning. Oh yeah. Okay, so we're getting up Maybe we'll take a disco nap and then get up at 3. Get up at 2 to go there. Alright, well, wish us luck. We'll talk to you guys soon. Also, we didn't talk at all about our breastfeeding journey. Oh, that's okay. Kind of partial journey, but we'll get there. You can follow (laughs) our OnlyFans, Sacred Sadism, OnlyFans, where we're... I'm I'm kind of blogging, and then we're kind of uploading things we make. Yeah, you can read all the text stuff without subscribing if you don't want to, but... yeah subscribe you get some extra bonus stuff five bucks a month and you get to see my titties and some milk and some milk (laughs) and some other stuff as yet to be determined is we're just kind of we're just kind of playing in those waters right now thanks for listening to cosmic halitosis 
If you have questions or comments or want to yell something at us, email us at cosmic with a K halitosis, cosmic halitosis at gmail.com. Please subscribe and like the podcast. And you can follow us on our personal Instagram accounts. I am gorgeous taps and Temba is Tembizzle T E M B I Z Z L E. Thanks for listening.